0: Welcome educators, parents, and scholar gamers to the Academy of Esports, episode eight. I'm your host, James O'Hagan. This is the podcast where I delve into topics surrounding education and esports. Esports are organized competitive video games, allowing schools to redefine their athletic culture, diversify opportunities for student participation, promote physical and mental health, increase collegiate scholarship pathways, and play games. We cannot forget the importance of play. The mission of the Academy of Esports is to support these ideals, and it is the vision of the Academy of Esports for all students to experience the fun and joy of playing competitive video games. In this episode, we revisit many of the ideas from the last three episodes around physical and mental health, so let's get started. Hi, I'm James O'Hagan with the Academy of Esports, and I'm here with Dan Himmelstein. of the, He's the CEO and brain coach at the Premier Esports Academy. Dan received his master's degree in sports and performance psychology from the University of Denver. His experience in esports psychology training includes those at the professional and semi-professional level. In addition, his history in gaming, coupled with one of the very first research studies on integrating performance psychology and gaming, makes him one of the most well-prepared esports psychology trainers in the world. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to, to, uh, to talk with me. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for
0: having me. Excited to be here. Well, you know, there's probably a lot of people who, you know, my my podcast kind of goes to people who um, are educators who aren't yet, or parents who have not yet seen how do we connect esports and schools together. And they're probably also wondering how the heck do we connect psychology and esports together. So tell us first a little bit about the Premier Esports Academy.
1: Absolutely. So I've kind of focused my career on helping esports players optimize their performance from a mental standpoint. Uh, So that's talking about things like confidence, anxiety, emotional regulation, uh, mindfulness, how to stay in the present moment, how to stay task-focused, how to really set goals to make sure that they are efficient and that you can complete them, and that it's actually going to take you to where you want to be. So a lot of people kind of set willy-nilly goals, you know, the classic uh, New Year's resolution example is, uh, you know, I want to change my whole life tomorrow, uh, and it's always that tomorrow. If you really want to make a change, it's going to happen today, and you don't need to wait for a silly holiday to do so. So, really making sure that uh, players stay focused, players stay on track, and players are doing all the right things to actually advance themselves. And it's, I heard some things there that educators may pick up
0: on right away. One of the things I, I believe I heard was mindfulness and um, Tell tell for somebody who doesn't really understand what mindfulness is, can you explain that a little bit for us?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Mindfulness—it's something I've written about a couple times, and it's really a pretty hot topic in the performance world, especially in traditional sports and even in esports. I, I see some players and teams talking about it. So, mindfulness is all about being in the present moment. It's being task focused, being. You know, just being there. Uh, It's the opposite of being doing things mindlessly. Uh, Making sure that you are dedicated to the task at hand and that you have the ability to stay in the present moment. Because every one of us, uh, you know, the mind has a natural tendency to wander. We've all been there. I always like to give the example of uh, have you ever been reading a book, James, and uh, realized you were halfway down the page, maybe even a page later, and uh, you actually didn't read anything? You were just kind of uh, going through the words and your mind had wandered off onto. Something different, Uh, and then you realize now, now I got to go back and read that whole page over. Well, things like that it actually happens every day in our daily lives, and uh, oftentimes we don't even notice. So, uh, it's making sure that we are staying in the present moment, we have the ability to do so, and we can do it at the right time. Is that
0: something you can just switch on? Is that something we can practice? Is that something that can be taught? You know, again, as educators, we would love to have our students not blank out on us during
1: the day. So how how does how does an educator right. bring that in? Yeah, so mindfulness is a trainable skill. Uh, There are all types of practices and all types of exercises to help train mindfulness. Um, Some of the easier ones that I really like, uh, mindfulness eating, how many people have eaten a meal out there and, uh, you know, just were watching TV or or doing something else and completely didn't recognize what they were eating, and it may have been their favorite meal in the world, and, uh, you know, they didn't really sit down and enjoy it. Uh, So mindfulness eating is a really interesting exercise, and we all eat every day, I, I I should hope at least uh, so you know t- bringing bringing your attention to it and saying you know sitting down doing only that task tasting all of the flavors making sure to recognize the textures uh, and just really... Putting your focus onto the food in front of you. Uh, another thing is mindfulness walking. A lot of people, they go to work every day. They just kind of walk back and forth. They're, they're in their normal routine. Sometimes they don't even, you know, you look back after a drive to work and you're like, how did I even get here? You know, my, my mind just did it automatically. Um, so, you know. Taking a breath, taking a moment, looking around at your environment, noticing actually what's around you, and just staying in that present moment non-judgmentally. So, as a so, if I was an esports coach, and again, these are skills
0: that I want to bring into my with with my students. How do I start to bring this into esports? How do I start to get them to think about this in an esports realm?
1: Yeah. So uh, so far, I've had pretty good success. Translating this into the esports space Um, But you know Some some kids, they're not going to enjoy Mindfulness training Uh, There's a really great book out there uh, that that I've picked up recently. It's got a lot of really great mindfulness exercises for uh, almost all levels. It's called uh, How to Train a Wild Elephant, I believe, is the title. Uh, and it just it takes you through a couple different exercises that uh, really are really really useful and can be used every single day. It's it's things that we uh, you know a lot of mindfulness training is done by using things that we do every single day. So it's you know noticing how your right and left hand actually work together what they're actually doing you know those are two amazing pieces of equipment that we have and uh often go unnoticed but the way our right and left hand work together it's just so in sync so in unison that we don't even have to think about it um so you know taking a moment to notice like where are your hands what are they doing at certain times um you know whether it's just through your daily routine or uh you know while you're cooking or or something like that um, it, it's really just training your ability to put focus on something and keep it there.
0: <laughs> you, you, know, you say you say that too about knowing where our hands are. You know, as I think about if I was a coach wanting to train a student or helping a student try to maximize their performance in esports, one of the things I might do is just, as you said, just watch their hands or record for them. You know, while they're in a match, where their hands are going. You know, again, you say it's very you know natural for us just to move our hands as you see as I'm sitting here talking I'm trying to make gestures with my own hands as I talk to you to kind of get my ideas out it's kind of the same thing with gaming <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> yeah you know it might just be that hey your performance could get increased just by noticing where it is that your hands are being placed in a match for example
1: yeah and and so I don't want to confuse this with in-game training this is this is for mindfulness training uh, you know I don't I definitely don't recommend washing your hands while you're playing uh, it's Probably better to watch the screen <laughs> and, and let your hands do the do the actions. Um, but this is really just for like day to day how to actually get good at being in the present moment because a lot of us when we do start mindfulness training, uh, another exercise is just focusing on your breath. That's one of the easier ones. So 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 many people. Will sit there, focus on their breath for 10 seconds, and all of a sudden they're off thinking about something different. It's like, wow, I can only focus for 10 seconds. Like, what's going on with that? It's like I got a I got a whole League of Legends match to play that could last, you know, uh, for over an hour. I, I got to make sure that I can maintain focus for that long. Um, so people are often very surprised at first at, at how quickly their mind wants to wander. So when you start training this, when you start noticing you know doing the exercise like looking at your hands or uh you know focusing on what your hands are doing or focusing on your breath or uh any of the other mindfulness training techniques you'll recognize that you know our minds want to wander much quicker than we want so when we do start to train it we'll start to notice our ability to maintain that attention longer and longer and longer
0: Wow. Okay. So actually taking the time to practice breathing, for example, would be something that I would want to do as a coach with my students.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, breathing is one of the biggest things that I I teach uh, as well. Uh, I use some biofeedback and take a look at respiration amplitude and frequency uh, because we all know you know breathing gives oxygen to the brain oxygen to the brain is a good thing it helps you make good decisions It helps keep you alive Um, so if we can get an optimal amount of oxygen to the brain throughout our game we have a better chance at setting ourselves up for making the best decisions throughout that game so a lot of the time what I see is players will either hold their breath or shorten their breath and go (laughs) and then during downtime in game like I use this example in Overwatch I actually have a video of it somewhere Um, you know they'll die and all of a sudden it's (sighs) and then once they go back to engaging once they're back set up in their spot you know, they go back to their uh, their nasty breathing cadence, where they're just not getting an optimal level of oxygen to the brain, which uh, in turn affects their gameplay. And it's very, very difficult to see until someone tells you. You know, hey, you know, you're not breathing at all throughout that game. Like, you know, you should uh, practice this breathing cadence, so that way it comes naturally throughout the game. And see, these are some of the, the things that as teachers,
0: you know, we talk about these things in health class, we talk about these things in PE, and there's very ever little translation that takes place from the classroom into a situation like in in an eSports event or in other classes in the classroom. I mean, I've seen students who get stressed out over tests, over quizzes, over giving having to give a, a presentation. And having these skills, I think, would serve them well. And, it, and like I said, it's one of those things that Absolutely. just can carry into so many other things. So it's great that, you, that you know, you're bringing this up. You know, even in matches, when you know, your heart rates can get up to 160 to 180 beats per minute, having that controlled breathing that you're talking about is, is something that a skill that we wish a lot of our students had, even who aren't esports uh, competitors or scholar gamers.
1: Absolutely. I mean, when it comes down to it, um, you know, life is a performance. What we do applies... Across you know many different domains, even myself, I, I've worked you know not just with esports, but I've also worked with traditional athletes at all levels. Uh, I've worked with law school students, you know, helping them deal with and managing their anxiety about their tests. Uh, you know, I have colleagues who work in uh, the executive level, executive level roles, working with CEOs on how to help them maintain uh, you know uh, mental toughness and mental strength throughout their careers because it's uh, incredibly stressful. Uh, type of performance is being a CEO. And, uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, performance psychology, these skills apply to such a wide range of people and performance domains that it really is a, a truly, a, I, I mean, obviously I believe it's an incredible service.
0: Now I, I, a lot of the students that I work with do deal with things like high anxiety, depression, um, you know, when we're when we're talking about mindfulness, but I kind of want to switch gears talking about that, and I want to talk about too the perception that you know a lot of times gaming it, it does not support good mental health; that it only contributes to thoughts of violence, that it contributes to isolation. How how is just being a gamer different? And, and, and today, I mean, what what misconceptions or what? kind of, um, uh, well, I guess misconceptions do we want to dispel right away about gaming and gamers, I guess you could say, in regards to this realm of mental health?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the argument, we've, we've heard it a thousand times, is that gaming in, incites violence and, uh, you know, excessive gaming is no good and isn't good for nutrition or diet and all that great stuff. So, you know, unfortunately, part of that is true. Uh, if you do sit on the couch or sit, on, sit in your chair for 10 15 hours a day and that's all you do and you know you don't have good nutrition good health yeah you you know that's not that's not good for you um, but I preach balance. In everything, I preach balance in gaming. I preach balance in sport. I preach balance at work. Uh, It's really important to, you know, make sure that you're taking care of yourself physically and mentally. Uh, And if you're not, whatever you're doing is isn't going to be good for you. You have to make sure that you are uh, doing what you need to to be. Uh, in in a healthy mindset and a healthy standpoint. So, you know, gaming comes with all these different stereotypes and different stigmas. Thankfully, you know, eSports is really coming to light lately and showing... Uh, the general population that these people, people who are identify as gamers or esports players, they're not just people who uh, waste their lives away playing video games. You know, they're they're learning super valuable skills, which I, I think we'll probably get into later uh, when we talk about kind of the the applicable skills and the experience that you can get while gaming to help you know further yourself and further your career not just in the esports space um but just in a in a career standpoint but um you know the the stigmas that exist uh, i think a lot of them are really going away over time where we're starting to recognize that this is this is something that can help cognitive ability can help sharpen your uh, technological skills Um, it can help create a social environment that you might not have access to uh, just in school a a lot of uh, a lot of gamers, they often feel isolated in their in their face-to-face peer groups uh, in school, whether that's uh, you know just in high school or middle school or whatever that might be. But these people may look like social outcasts there, but when they go online, they're leaders of clans. They're they're. IGLs, uh, in game leaders, uh, you know, they're talkative, they have a community, they're on Discord, they're, they're communicating and uh, really a part of a, a much larger community that um, just because it's not seen face to face doesn't mean it's not there. So, you know, the, the, the isolation is one that um, a lot of people talk about, and the social isolation uh, for gamers, but, you know, in an online environment, it's very likely they're social butterflies and uh have a very very healthy relationship with uh some of their some of their teammates some of their competitors and, and the like is it
0: is it um and you, you kind of you touched on this a little bit too but um you know is it is it you, you talk about having balance and i and i kind of want to get back to that for just a second because you know the 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 Again, the stereotype is the gamer is going to be the one who sits there and plays for 10 hours and you say, well, we can't have that help. You know, that's not necessarily good. We got to have that balance. But for some kids, this is going to be their social you know, outlets. This is going to be their social structure. So how do I as a coach or how do I as a parent start having conversations with my kids about finding that balance, about the necessity of balance? I've really gotten into lately, my own, my own personal self has been getting into sleep. And it may sound like a silly thing for us to kind of get into, but, you know, especially when we're talking about gamers who usually fall in that 20, 14 to 21-year-old range is when that prime gaming time is, you know, sleep kind of becomes like this thing that a lot of those kids stereotypically fight, but how, how do I start preaching that importance of balance as a parent or as an administrator or as an educator to, to my students?
1: Yeah, and this was a this was definitely a question that I, I took a good look at and there's there's really two ways that I wanna answer this. Um one it's really, 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 really important for coaches to have a understanding of the game that they're Uh, representing and as a coach you're representing Um, so it's really important for those coaches to at least have a, a minimal level of understanding of the game you know I didn't want to put this all on the kids who are gaming this question I didn't want to put all this on the kids who are gaming because you know what if you put something in front of me that I love to do I might want to do it for 10 hours a day as well no matter what it is Um, So it's understandable that that they want to take time and do this because they love to do it. Uh, So it's really, really, really important for coaches to take a good look at the game um, and gain some respect by speaking the language, by saying, by having an idea of the general concept of the game. Uh, they, these people, they don't want to be treated, these, these young men and women, they don't want to be treated just like your run-of-the-mill athletes. You know, that that's, if they wanted to be athletes, they would. Um, so it's important to recognize, you know, their individual performance domain and, have have a good level of understanding. And especially with eSports, it's gotta be the most accessible performance domain there is. With Twitch TV and constant streaming and YouTube out there, eSports is being broadcasted 24-7 live uh, and no other performance domain in the world really offers that you can't tune into a football game uh, at 3am on a Tuesday and, and watch a live uh, a live match You know, from some of the best in the world it's just impossible, they're not playing at that time um, so with eSports, coaches have a really unique opportunity to connect with their players and to get an understanding of, of what they're watching, why they're part of this community um, so that's that's part one of that answer I, I just wanted to make sure that that was very very clear because it, it's not all on the players now
0: Let's stop you really quick just on that first part because you did make mention of twitch and twitch I th- is something I don't want to discount you know if, if you're if you're somebody again a parent or an educator who doesn't know what that is twitch.tv is a website you can go to and pretty mo- much watch as, as as Dan said you can watch People playing video games 24 7. Twitch has made live TV something worth watching again. You know, there's this this perception that Generation Z and the millennials are not watching live TV. They are, they're just not watching live TV that people of my generation watch. You know, we want to watch live sporting events or we would watch TV shows because we would, you know, we would have to watch it at a certain time. But, you know, the belief was, oh, these kids are cord cutters. A lot of these kids never even had a cord. So this is just how they're how they're getting, and this is the world and the and in the and in, in the medium that they're existing in right now. So if you don't know what Twitch TV is, I highly recommend checking it out. In fact, right now they're running 500 episodes of Doctor Who, streaming constantly from the first episode. From, from they started it last night, and they're running it all the way through to July 23rd. So they're going to run every episode of Doctor Who on, on that. And and trust me, kids are watching it. And this, what makes it different is the social commentary built into that environment is really fascinating for people to see. So that's my, that's my commercial plug and I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt your, your first, your second part of your question. So I just want to make sure that everybody understood what Twitch is. So
1: yeah, absolutely. It's important. Um, Yeah. If you want to understand what, you know, what your kids are playing, uh, why they're playing it, definitely, definitely hop onto twitch.tv. It's free, uh, which is also the really great uh, thing about it. You know, they're, Traditional sports are constantly hidden behind paywalls and things like that. So, uh, tune in, get an idea. It'll certainly help you at least pick up the language and general concepts, uh, which will take you a very long way. So, the second part is making sure that coaches are scheduling a very structured practice. Once they earn that respect, then their players are going to want to beep, and then you know players are going to want to. Uh, give back a little bit you know once you earn respect players want to give back and that's something very important but without that respect you know we're not going to get that so you know when designing schedules uh that's going to be super important especially for a high school esports team but what you don't want to do is ruin video games for these kids You know, you don't, you don't want to make them feel like every day they're coming in to something that they don't want to do and that, you know, they're being tested and being critiqued all the time. You want to build a community that people want to be a part of, uh, and that's really going to take you a long way. And you want to build a community that, uh, you know, maybe not your everyday gamer, maybe someone who's never played a video game before wants to be part of this community now because, uh, it's a great community to be in. You know, you, you see these, these guys and girls, they're, they're, uh, in their local computer room or land center, watching big live events, I think that's a really cool thing for high school coaches to do is to organize watch parties, uh, take them to local colleges, show them the, the college eSports programs because there's tons of them now. You know, all across the country there's college esports programs with their own dedicated land centers and things like that. So, organize group trips, you know, make a really, really awesome community that people want to be a part of so that they're willing to mold their schedule to what you guys are now setting forth so the expectations are school has to remain in line you guys are scholar competitors you have to make sure that you're keeping your grades up you have to make sure that you're doing the right things in school otherwise you can't be part of this awesome community until you get that straight Uh, and you know once you have an awesome community built and these people want to be a part of it they're going to help shape their whole lives they're going to shape their lives around it and make sure that they can still participate because it's something that they love to do now
0: um, diving into it, that is called self-determination theory. I mean, that's that's a, the, the whole concept of people want to do some things intrinsically, like intrinsic motivation for what you what you get people doing is fantastic. As soon as you start putting. Expectations on people. Like, for example, the, the classic one that they use in self determination theory is a kid loves to read and will just read books. Well, as soon as you put them maybe into like saying, hey, I'll give you $10 for every book that you read, it creates an extrinsic motivation. It removes some of the joy out of what they were doing before. So, what you're saying is you got to honor that intrinsic motivation, what brought the students into wanting to be part of this and making it still an enjoyable experience without putting too many extrinsic pressures on them to to do things within that club
1: or team right absolutely yeah i I try and stay a little bit away from the technical terms but yeah self-determination theory 101 uh you know if if someone's doing something that they love all of a sudden you introduce an external reward and then you know two weeks later remove that external external reward that person's no longer going to love what love uh doing what they were doing before uh now that they've had that external reward so um you know you're you're spot on there
0: yeah, well, okay. And it's, did I cut you off? Because I want to make sure you get that, get all that out. I, it sounded like you had a little more to say on that second part.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really just uh, creating that community is going to be the biggest thing, and and with that balance will come. You know, if if they know that they need to maintain a certain grade point average and they know they need to get their homework done and that time is allotted for them and they feel that they have the time to do that as well as being part of this community. And that can even be built into the community, you know, all right guys, like, you know, homework done before, before let's uh, get into the, to the scrims, you know, then that's something that we can go down. Um, But yeah, it's just really the two things creating the, or I guess three things creating the community, setting clear expectations, and allowing them to complete all the tasks involved.
0: And it sounds like what you're starting to, what we're going to move into right now is we're talking about how do we develop a culture and, and team cycling because you wrote extensive. I I loved if you haven't seen it and I'll put it in the show notes. Dan wrote a fantastic article for article for the Acer predator website um, about team cycling. And it's something that, I think everybody goes through. Whether you're doing this as an esports team, when I was a classroom teacher, we actually went through team cycling. When I was a self-contained fifth-grade teacher, and I had the same 30 students all day. It's funny that that you know don't don't think that this is just an esports thing. Dan, tell us about team cycling because this is really something that I think when when I read it, I went, oh my god, I went through all these things with my students, and I've seen <laughs> this on a, on a football team, and I've seen this when I coach girls basketball. And I tell tell us about team cycling and culture development
1: a little bit. You got it. Yeah, I think it's a really, really cool dynamic that I try and talk about almost as much as I can uh, because it's something that everyone goes through. You're, you're spot on. Uh, it's If you've ever been on a sports team, if you've ever entered a new job, if you've ever uh, you know, been in a classroom, you've seen this before. So team cycles, typically there's four main cycles, which is forming, storming, norming, and performing forming, everyone's coming together, everyone's happy, everyone's excited. It might be, uh, you know, the start of a new season is when we see this a lot. Uh, Everyone's just super hyper-motivated, ready to just get to work and get going, Um, which is great. And then, you know, a couple weeks go by and kind of the the summer break jitters are over or, you know, the, the, um, the new team jitters are over, the new team hype are over and things kind of start to rub against each other, you know, and that's, and that's when we kind of get into that storming phase where, uh, you know, roles are starting to get hashed out. There may be some, uh, criticism, some, some feedback that wasn't taken so well. Um, a, a lot of things go through creating a successful team, uh, a successful team environment so that, uh, you know, there's a lot of conflict. And conflict is good as long as it's productive. It has to be productive. You know, we can't be sitting there laying the blame on each other, pointing fingers, making each other feel bad, taking personal digs out on each other. That's going to ruin a team. We all know that. Uh, So as long as conflict is directed at making the entire team better, and not taking personal digs at people's uh, you know play style or you know and just making sure that everyone's feeling accepted, making sure that you know your opinion is heard, but making sure that we are giving each other feedback and making sure that that feedback is constructive so that uh, those people can then use that feedback to get better. I apologize. I uh-huh. So, you know, making sure that, uh, so that, that's, that's really the storming phase. And we've all seen that, and that's a lot of the time. I kind of consider that the tipping point of teams. You know, that's when we can tell if a team is going to be able to move past that or if they're going to crumble under that storming phase and, you know, break up or get new members. And, you know, the addition of new members, the removal of members, it resets this whole cycle. Um, so, you know, co- teams are constantly cycling back and forth between forming and storming and as well as the next stage is norming
0: wait just so one, one se- just one second i because wa- you, you kind of said this it's not this is not a linear upslope as you just said you will, you really will not. move. It, this is you'll move across this this is this is going to be something that where you, depending on how your team structure is set up you're going to move in and out of these different phases
1: all along the way so Sorry, go on, please. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a great uh, great highlight there. Is yeah, this is not linear whatsoever. It is a cycle, uh, and often teams never make it to the performing stage and and fall apart before that. So, you know, hopefully we can make it past the storming phase pretty successfully by really navigating that conflict well, having an outside perspective, making sure that these feedback sessions are staying productive, staying constructive. Uh, Then, you know, hopefully we can set some real norms and have some cultural norms built into this team system. So, you know, we all, now that we've made it past the conflicting stage, we can all, we know what we know what's expected from us. You know, we know what the roles are on the team, we know our day-to-day tasks, the organ we know what the organization wants from us, we know what the coaches want from us. So not only is this just you know, from the player side, but it's also from the organizational management standpoint. You know, to have a really successful team moving forward, the team can't feel like the organization isn't behind them. That's huge. The the, the team has to feel that the organization is supporting them and behind them for you know whatever they need. Uh, and then you know, making sure that expectations are clear. We know how to communicate. We know when our feedback sessions are. We know when practice is, and we know what to be expected when when we sit down for practice. You know. We we know that we have to come in here focused. We have to come in here ready to perform, ready to train, ready to work on skills that we're, that we're uh, needing to improve. So that's kind of that norming phase. And that, uh, you know, hopefully all of this is is can be timed into, you know, say a, a regular season, so say a, a League of Legends split. Uh, you know, you want to make sure that you're timing your performing phase for... Uh, playoffs for you know your mid-season mid uh, mid uh mid-season invitational for worlds you know you want to make sure that you are able to I don't like to use the word peak cuz you know there's only one place to go from a peak Um, but you know to make sure that you're at your prime performance that your whole team is performing as well as they possibly can and that is from setting up those norms, it's from having those clear expectations over your training weeks, months, whatever that is to now hopefully you make it to the performing stage where everything is just in line you know you guys are able to mesh, you guys are able to gel, you guys have trust, you guys trust each other, you know how each other are going to Play how each other are going to perform so that way you can go ahead and put your best performance forward when it matters. So, uh,
0: and, and as we said, this is a cycle, so you can move between all these different phases, and just, as an educator or as a coach at a school. You know, that reset point is going to be your new school year when you get your new students in, when you get your new students coming up. Um, so this is, this is a normal thing. And I, like I said, I've seen it in other things, whether you're in the classroom or whether you're a coach of a sport, I've seen it happen as well there, too. So all these things are, are, are great. Now, the last thing in the time that we have left, uh, Dan, is, um, you know, one of the questions that I sent you ahead of time is we want great gamers, but we also want great kids who can use this experience to launch themselves and other things. You know, how does a... You know, how do we keep a kid from just locking themselves away from playing games all day? How did you even? I mean, you know, looking at your background, were you a gamer? Were you somebody who said, "Wait a second, I could also apply this into other fields like esports"? It, t- tell us, you know, how can we get kids to launch launch into
1: other things through this medium of esports? Absolutely. I mean, one of one of the biggest things I talk about all the time is making great kids in and out of their game, uh, making great players, making great people in and outside of their performance. Um, so, you know, the really Really cool thing about esports is you don't, the only career path out there isn't just becoming an esports player, a professional esports player. There are so many alternative careers that surround the gaming industry. And I was just talking about this with a colleague the other day. There's now executive level positions with uh, many professional sports teams like Dallas Mavericks, uh, you know, Houston Rockets, uh, let's see. New England Patriots uh, Golden State Warriors yeah, you know, these are these are all massive teams that are hiring executive-level positions dedicated to esports. That's fantastic. You know, so, okay, not only can you be a e- professional esports, strive to be a professional esports player, you can strive to work with some of the biggest companies in the world at executive-level positions, and then we can go down the road of game development, game designers, programming, coding, artists, sculptors, uh, event management, marketing, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on about the opportunities in this really new and exciting esports and, and gaming field you know gaming and esports I, I promise you Jim's and, and you could take my word for this uh, you know this industry isn't going anywhere. The gaming world is going to be around uh, for for as far as as far as humanity can see, uh, because people love to play games. You know, people love to interact with their friends, and uh, you know they, they love to goof off and take the stress off of everyday life. Uh, and technology, it's only advancing. It's only getting better. So the games are only going to get cooler and and more exciting and more. Uh, you know more intriguing and, uh, capturing. So anyway, uh, you know, there, there's a ton of opportunity for players who love games and, uh, you know, you, you spoke about balance and if you find a kid who wants to play games for 10 hours a day, uh, I'm going to tell you, you probably found a kid who found their passion or her found one of their passions, uh, so, you know, let's let's take that and run with it. I can't tell you how many professionals and adults that I see every single day who choose a career or choose a job for a paycheck, and they hate what they do. They wouldn't spend a moment outside of work doing what they do at work if they're not getting paid for it. Now, if we can find a way to get people paid for what they love to do, I mean, talk about job fulfillment. So, you know, it, it's, it's a really, really cool thing to have, uh, this new gaming and esports world, where you know these. These players are so technologically advanced. They're constantly not only are they just playing on their PCs, but they're also navigating the web. You know, a lot of them build their own computers, make their own rigs. Uh, you know, so they're they're learning skills that can be translated into some of the most desirable careers to date, like coding and software engineering. Now, uh, so I mean, that's that's a huge advantage. If you don't spend a, any time on a computer and you want to get into a software engineering field. You know, good luck. Like it's going to be a nightmare, and that's some of the some of the higher paying jobs in the world right now.
0: And what's funny is is that a lot of times, one of the biggest arguments I think we find right now in the esports world is when people say esports athlete, and it it brings up this really like visceral reaction from some people <laughs> who say you can't, and sure. I, I have actually gotten away from using the phrase esports athlete. I prefer the, the term scholar gamer when I'm talking about kids who are in school who are doing this, but you know, what's, what's fascinating to me is how uh, professional sports now are, are, are connecting into esports and not just by owning teams but by also using right. the technologies that are being developed. I mean, when I was a kid and I would sit and plug baseball statistics into my uh Pete Rose baseball simulator or no, Earl <laughs> Weaver baseball simulator. Um it was always fascinating to me I go, "Wait a second, these guys with high on-base percentages, if they're always getting on, you know they should be the ones I want on my team, and it used to be that you know, oh, home runs and RBIs were these big things. Well, now data people have taken over baseball, they've taken over basketball, they've taken over uh, you know hockey. Even is is looking at things, analytics like that. The NFL obviously yep. has analytics. I mean it. The guy who is probably the best GM, as much as I hate it, the guy who's the Cubs GM, uh, Theo Epstein, he's a lawyer by trade and he's a numbers guy. You know, he's mm-hmm. an analyst. He just knows he can look at the inefficiencies in the market. And, and what you were talking about right there is, is somebody who can find an inefficiency and exploit it in a positive way for their team is going to be somebody who gets that next leg up. It's not cheating when you find in a game that it's that there's this inefficiency built in. It's that oh, you found that Easter egg, that inefficiency that allows you to have an advantage over your opponents it's a it's really a beautiful thing and like as, mm-hmm. as you said too all the other things that are involved with it you know the as you in your role as as being a, somebody who's a, into uh, sports uh, psychology I mean that's just another field that that a kid who goes well I like gaming yep. but I'm a terrible gamer I yep. but I can really do these other things it's like yeah just be connected into that positive culture as much as you can
1: Absolutely.
0: So, Dan, we only have just a couple more minutes. Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to to promote anything that you wish. So if you wanted to talk a little more about the Premier Esports
1: Academy or website or whatever, please do. Yeah, some, uh, some, so if you like what we talked about today, uh, definitely make sure to check out the Predator training room. Uh, I'm constantly putting out some really cool content on there. We have some really awesome content creators alongside myself, uh, not just in the psychology world. I do most of the psychology stuff, uh, but we also have really awesome content-specific, uh, game-specific content creators. Right. So we have people doing, you know, professionals from League of Legends, Dota 2, CSGO, Overwatch, uh, and a Miss Myst- one, they're going to hate me. Uh, Dota 2, CSGO, Overwatch, League of Legends. Uh, so, you know, definitely if those are one of your games, make sure to get on there, take a look. We also have Jake Middleton, who uh, you actually spoke with last week, James, uh, who does a lot of the physical side as to where I do the, the mental side. He does the physical side. So, uh, that Predator training room is a really great resource. Uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime uh, for performance psychology training needs. I work with teams and individuals. Uh, I just love to help people optimize their own performance be the best that they could absolutely be and just maximize their own capabilities make sure that they're able to perform at the upper echelon of their capabilities in any given environment whether they're playing the best team in the world or playing my team Uh, you know i want them to to be able to perform as well as they possibly can James, I appreciate you having me and uh wish you the best of luck here and uh can't wait to do some more work together. Thank you. Yeah.
0: That will do it for this week on the Academy of Esports. I've been your host, James O'Hagan. You may follow me on Twitter at J-I-M-O-H-A-G-A-N. That's at Jim O'Hagan. And while you're at it, you can also follow the Academy of Esports on Twitter at T-A-O-ESports. Again, that's letters T-A-O-E-S-O. P-O-R-T-S. It's a great way to get the latest blog posts, podcast episodes, and news coming out of eSports and education. And remember, you can continue your engagement by going to www.taoesports.com. And through Flipboard or your favorite RSS app, you can follow the latest in eSports news and research directly impacting education, carefully curated by myself. The links are right there on the website. You can also connect through Facebook at www.facebook.com/taoeSports. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to our time again next week.